we're going to ask Brenda to come back up and she's going to share for the word. This is the fun part. <laughs> it means the word of God. So I have some sayings. We'll do a little quiz uh, to start off with. So the first one is a saying you, I'm sure that you have all heard. Uh, before, God helps those who help themselves. Can anybody tell me where, which book of the Bible that's found in, or who was the biblical character? No? How about the next one? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Where's that one found? Neither of them are in the Bible. <laughs> but lots of people think they are. But it shows the need that we have. We need to be studying our Bibles so that we know what the truth of the Word of God is. And we aren't taking sayings, wise advice, as being the Word of God. Or using that to tell our children that it's the Word of God. <laughs> so I have another one. The love, I know, uh, money, the root is, the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay, it's not what's up there. 1 Timothy 6.10 says it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. So we have to be sure we're hearing the right thing. We're, we're not going to be tricked by what other people tell us. So I'd like this morning to look at Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. And uh, it's a familiar story. Obviously, the boat in this picture is not from biblical times. That's a typical scene in La Paz, on the shore of La Paz. I don't know how common it might be or similar it might be to something here. But this one is. This is from the first century uh, AD. It was found in 1986 in the mud of the Sea of Galilee. And it's almost eight and a half feet long and two and a half feet wide. And this next one is a model of the ship, what they think it, it probably looked like, more or less. So now we have the main object in the story in mind, the, the visual of that. Uh, the next one is a fisherman from La Paz, not the Bible. And, uh, he, but he's using a net that was very similar to what the disciples would have used. So I don't know if you can see the little lead weights going all the way around the, the rim of, of the net. But the, when that is thrown out, because of the weights, it, it more or less flattens out, falls down onto the fish, and then as it's gathered in, the fish are trapped. So very similar to what they would have been doing. So I want you with the, the images now, as we read the story... To have, try to keep the visual, keep the story going in your mind. Try, try to imagine it. Uh, I put the scripture up. It's going to be in the New Living Translation. So it's a little different probably than what you're used to hearing. But that's on purpose so that we think about what the passage says. And in your Bible, it might say that this happens at Lake Gennesaret. But that is more commonly known as the Sea of Galilee. So, uh, and the other uh, thing that might be a little different from your Bible is it talks about Simon Peter, who is, who becomes a disciple. And at this point, he's met Jesus. He has seen some of the miracles of Jesus. I don't know how much, um, but that's the setting to the story. So let's read, uh, starting at verse 1, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let, your nets, uh, and let down your nets to catch some fish. 
Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout of help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me, for I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they had landed, they had left everything and followed Jesus. So the story is pretty easy to follow. Uh, Peter, James, and John have been fishing all night. They haven't caught anything. They're probably frustrated. They're on the shore now, mending their nets so that they'll be ready for the next day. And Jesus is nearby teaching. And it says the crowd is growing, and they're pressing him back. He's getting to the water's edge. He notices the, the boat's there, and he asks Peter to push him out a little bit into the water. And then he's able to sit down. So he just made a little amphitheater for himself. It, you guys, I know you've got water here. You probably know how you can hear someone's voice clearly over the still water. So Jesus has a, a preaching point, but that's not the focus of this story. Uh, and just a little detail, we don't know, but I kind of imagine Peter is in the boat with Jesus uh, as he sets out to, to teach the people. So when Jesus has finished teaching, he turns to Peter and he tells him to go a little further and cast his nets again. Now, Peter is the fisherman, right? I'm sure he was really good at fishing. Jesus is a carpenter's son and a spiritual teacher. So what do you think Peter is thinking when Jesus tells him to go out and cast the nets down? Funny, like, I know fishing. <laughs> you did a great job teaching, but what are you thinking? <laughs> that might have been what was going through his mind. But still, he, what does he call Jesus? He calls him Master. So he still shows respect to Jesus, even though he might think he doesn't know what he's talking about. And uh, we know that Peter had already met Jesus, and he'd seen some miracles. And I don't know, maybe it was something in Jesus' voice, uh, authority. Maybe it was the look that Jesus gave him. Maybe he remembered something he had seen. But it, he seems to have changed his mind. And he says, Master, we were fishing all night, but the fish just aren't biting. <laughs> and then he had that change of mind to say, but, but if you say so, I'll go out and drop the nets. I'll go, I'll go fishing. So uh, he does, and we all know what happens. The nets are so full of fish, he gets more fish probably than he's ever seen in his life. And so what's the lesson here? Be obedient to God, even when you're not sure what's going on, and he will give you super incredible amounts of blessing. Right? <laughs> Isn't that what it's saying here? Uh, when Jesus gives a command, even though you doubt it, even though you think it might not be, you know, it doesn't make sense, you should obey so that God can bless you and give you more than you're supposed to. Because Peter just got more fish than ever. He's got more, you know, he's clear sailing now. He just won the, the jackpot. But is that really what the Bible says? Is that the point of the story? Is it true that we should obey Jesus? Yes. 
Is it true that if we obey Jesus, he'll just give us super abundant blessings? No. <laughs> Many times we obey Jesus and we're mocked or persecuted. Other times we obey Jesus and things just seem to be get, to get worse than what they were. So the correlation isn't there. Um, sometimes we obey Jesus and we're persecuted because of it. So let's go back to what Peter is thinking and what the reaction is. We can't just stop where we think it's convenient and draw less. And we need to see the whole picture. We need to see the whole teaching of the Bible. But let's continue on here. Uh, we see that the reaction was that James, he and James and John were amazed. They were awestruck. So what response did that cause in Peter? It says he fell to his knees and he confessed that he was a sinful man. Instead of an attitude of pride and entitlement, well, it's about time, it's all my hard work, <laughs> instead of some sort of an attitude like that, he realizes his unworthiness. And uh, earlier he had called Jesus Master, but now what does he call him? Lord. Because he acknowledged that Jesus is God. He acknowledged the holiness of the person that was there and realized his own unworthiness his lack of purity compared to Jesus' purity. So he confesses that. He realizes he doesn't deserve to be in the presence of this person uh, who's just so, so much higher than he is. But what was Jesus' response? Jesus knew what Peter was facing, and he says, don't be afraid. Uh, Peter thought he'd been disqualified from service. And sometimes we might think that too. He might have thought he was unworthy to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus. But Jesus ever so graciously tells him not to worry, not to be afraid, and he proceeds to give him a commission. From now on, he says, from now on, you'll be fishing for people. Now, Peter was accustomed to starting off with live fish, ending up dead. <laughs> but now Jesus is telling him, you're going to work with spiritually dead people and bring them to life, to Jesus, share the gospel with them. Um, so what was his response, this radical call that Jesus put before him? They left everything and followed Jesus. They were convinced that Jesus is more valuable than all the money, than all the possessions in the world. They left everything and followed Jesus. So is the message really about obeying so that we can get rich and prosper? No. <laughs> That's definitely not what it teaches in the Bible. However, there is a strong emphasis on obedience, right? Uh, there's obedience when it doesn't make sense. Because they were fishermen, they knew going out, they've been out fishing all night, so it didn't make sense. And then when he tells them to go out to deep water to fish, well, that's not where they would normally be fishing either. But they learned obedience. And obedience even when it costs you. You can imagine, they've been working all night, they're cleaning their nets, they probably just want to get home, have some breakfast, and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> they want to rest. So it's going to cost them to leave everything and go follow Jesus. They aren't going to be looking after them, themselves. So the focus of this story is on the commission that was given. We're to take our minds off of the things of the world, off of things that make our lives comfortable. We're to recognize the value of human souls. That should be the priority in our lives, uh, the salvation of souls. And so we are to take the gospel of, of salvation to those who are lost, those who are spiritually dead, those who are separated from Christ. 
so that they have the opportunity to follow him. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18-20 says, uh, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations or all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the first thing Jesus commands his disciples to go and make disciples. And then there's that word, obey again. Okay, go and make disciples, and then obey all the commands that I have given you. So just as we have learned to obey, now we're to teach new believers to also obey. And it's a good thing we're not left to ourselves to do it, right? I am with you always. The Lord is with us. We don't have to try to do this in our, in our own strength. Um, yeah, that we can count on his presence. And then what does the Bible say? Um, what the Bible does say, so it doesn't say to obey to be rich, but what it does say is that we're called to join in the purpose of God, to reach the lost, the spiritually dead. And this call is often unexpected. They weren't up on a mountain in meditation, praying, and God spoke to them. They were doing their everyday activities. Uh, this call is often unusual. Uh, like Peter, we may not understand what God is calling us to do. We may not feel qualified to do it. It often requires, well, it always requires obedience. Um, even if it's a reluctant obedience, sometimes we aren't gung-ho to do it, but if, if we know God is calling and we, and we obey, uh, that's what he asks. And then, did you notice the first thing is just push the boat off a little, and then he tells them to go further out, another a step further, and God tells us in, in Matthew 25 that those who are faithful in little will be given much. God prepares our faith. He grows us. Often this call also requires humble repentance. Uh, Peter is known for having foot-and-mouth disease, and I can understand that. I identify with that. And we often want to be like Peter, but not in that sense. <laughs> we want to be like Peter in that he was quick to acknowledge his sin, his blundering, and to ask forgiveness. That's how we want to be like Peter, to have that quick response to want to be pure, to want to obey the Lord, to want to please our Lord and Master. Uh, this call is often also divine, it is always divinely empowered when we're resting in the Lord. Uh, Peter didn't catch all those fish. The Lord provided them. And the Lord even prepares the way ahead of us. And in this case, the Lord kept the fish away so that he could then abundantly bless them and show his power. So God is working. It's not up to us. The Holy Spirit is working. We just need to be channels, obedient, humble, submissive channels so that he can work through us. And the call is also universal. It's to all believers. So it might mean leaving uh, everything that you have to follow the Lord in ministry. But everything God calls us to do, if we're doing it for him, is a holy ministry. So sometimes it is to go overseas, to go to another country, uh, even to another part of Canada in this case, but, but it could be to be here, working here in a secular job. It doesn't matter whether it's a spiritual job or a secular job. We can do everything that we do for the glory of God. It's the obedient disciples that change the world. So we need to be uh, obedient, all of us. 
The call is often costly. It requires radical rethinking of our goals and values. It may have a steep material cost, like when we have to leave everything to go somewhere else, but it might be that we need to reorder our priorities in what we do with our finances. So if we look at, uh, well, and even if we do that too, whatever we give up, there are eternal dividends. So we're not really giving up anything. The Lord will bless us for our obedience and following him. So if we look at all of this and think of it as being the bait, to play with our, our analogy here of the sea and all, uh, what will you do with what the Lord is presenting? Will you take it, take the bait, hook, line, and sinker? I don't know if you use that expression here. I'm assuming you guys are much more into this than I am. <laughs> uh, I want to sort of make the application a double whammy because if you're here and you've never realized or recognized Jesus as God, and you've never uh, confessed your own sin, realizing your own unworthiness, if you haven't asked him to forgive your sins and to take charge of your life so that you can follow him, if you haven't understood that the whole purpose of communion, that Jesus died in our place and offers us the opportunity, invites us into a relationship with him, that's what he wants for us. If you haven't done that, then I'd encourage you to take that the singer. <laughs> Take that wholeheartedly. And if you have, uh, then, oh, well, before going on to if you have, let me just put up another one to show us what the gospel is. It's an acrostic of the gospel. So I'll read it from down here. But the G of gospels, God created us to be with him, but our sins separate us from God. Sin can't be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And life with Jesus starts now from the moment you accept him as Savior and lasts forever. So hear his call. Hear his call and accept the invitation. And if you have already done that, then you might be needing to look at another way to respond. And that could be it. God may be calling you to change your perspective on your values. Uh, he may be, you may be feeling that you've been disqualified because of behaviors or attitudes from the past and that you wouldn't, you're not worthy to serve him. But Jesus graciously assures you that yes, he has called each one of us to be fishers of men. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. So are you willing to leave it all behind, to follow Jesus and to be a fisher of men? It might le mean leaving everything and, and serving as a missionary. It might mean changing the focus of your financial production and instead of making your life comfortable to be doing what you can to further the kingdom of God. It might mean dedicating more time to praying for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. And it will definitely mean sharing your faith with the people that God has planted around you. So Jesus promises each one of us, and you can join me if you'd like, I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. If you follow me, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men if you follow me.
Can I need a prayer? Would you like to come? Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for the truth of your word, and we thank you for the encouragement that you give to us. Lord, it, it doesn't matter uh, what we have done. Uh, we may have committed just terrible sins. We may think that we've been pretty good people, but your word makes it clear we're all sinners. We have all fallen short, but that you have paid the price for us. Lord, you are so gracious. We thank you for the gift of salvation that you offer to us. We thank you that you are with us always. We thank you that you have given us a commission. And I pray that each one of us here, Lord, would know what you are calling us to do, that we would be sensitive to your voice, that we would hear you speak clearly, and Lord, that we can live in ways that honor you as our King, as our Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to serve you, Father, whether uh, here, whether overseas, whether through uh, going, whether through giving, whether through praying. We thank you that each one of us has a part in the furtherance of your kingdom. Help us all be obedient to your call, and Lord, we give you all the praise and the glory for what you do in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the word of the Lord, amen? Amen. amen. Thank you, Brenda.